Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and every week I lead you through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond, bringing you stories of the amazing people in and around the barbecue culture. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen in. I appreciate the gift of your time, and I hope I can entertain you for a little bit. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. And now, on with this week's show. Hello, Eat More Barbecue family, and thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 144 of Canada's longest-running barbecue podcast. I talk often on the podcast about the importance of where our food comes, comes from, and I featured a number of farms on the show that produce the amazing meats we all love to cook and smoke. What I haven't really talked about is the rest of the plate. Well, that changes this week as I welcome Kristen from 5th Gen Gardens here in Alberta to talk about her vegetable and garlic gardens. We did have some issues with uh, the audio on this one, so I apologize for sound cutting in and out a little bit here and there throughout the conversation. Hope it isn't too unpleasant to listen to. After we chatted, Kristen was kind enough to send me some of her garlic, supreme smoked garlic paste, and also some smoked black garlic. The garlic paste is absolutely delicious, and I'm looking forward to using that black garlic in something. Check out the website links in the show notes to order yours. Are you thinking of starting a podcast to help build your personal or business brand, but don't know how to get started? Eat More Barbecue Digital Media can help you with consulting, recording, voice work, or full production. Contact us at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com for more information. This is the fifth week of March. It's a bonus week, and honestly, I don't have any extra content for you. So just enjoy the interview with Kristen and listen in next week for the Alberta Podcast Network Member Spotlight. Speaking of the interview, this week it is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Whether someone is battling depression, fleeing domestic abuse, or worried about putting food on the table, it's times like these that inspire people to help others during a period of unprecedented needs. The Calgary Foundation is here to help. Through the generous support of donors, the Foundation offers a wide range of funding opportunities for organizations who share a common goal of building a healthy, giving, caring, and resilient community one where everyone thrives. If you're a part of a registered charity looking for a grant, discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about the Calgary Foundation on their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. I've talked numerous times on this podcast and elsewhere about the importance of knowing where our food comes from and about about supporting our local Alberta agriculture. I've also had the tremendous opportunity to visit with and feature a number of Alberta farms here on the podcast. Being a barbecue podcast, it really is no surprise that those farms have all produced some variety of the proteins that we love to cook on our smokers and grills. But what about the rest of our plates? When my buddy Peter from Pitt County suggested I reach out to today's guest, I thought it would be a great idea to talk to a farmer growing produce. And what do you know? She's doing a little bit of smoking as well. Kristen Graves from 5th Gen Gardens near Wetaskiwin, in Alberta is my guest this week. Kristen, welcome to the Eat More Barbecue podcast. How are you doing this evening? Thank you. I'm doing good, thank you. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. We were just chatting. It's uh, the second or the first or second full day of spring, and we're in kind of a full out blizzard uh, conditions here in Calgary. So nothing, uh, nothing too surprising. But we know there's uh, better stuff around the corner. So uh, before we get into the farm, uh, Fifth Gen Gardens, uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell the folks about uh, about Kristen. Well, about Kristen. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my name's Kristen. Um, lots of people know me as Fifth Gen Gardens these days, yep. but I was born 
born and bred here in Alberta, or born and raised, I should say. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we we have a farm southeast of Atasquin. My sister and I are the fifth generation out there, so it's right. been in our family for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's seen a lot of different agriculture over the years, but more recently is my business out there, and I have a fairly sizable market garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am now a garlic grower right. and trying to learn our family's grain farm. Right. So Stuff going on out there. A little bit, a little bit of everything. And uh, I was reading uh, on the website and stuff. You had a career in the healthcare industry prior to coming back to the farm. I guess I did. Yeah, you know, the farm is something that I've always held near and dear to my heart. I yeah. you know, up there, and it was such a big part of our life, mm-hmm. um, or something that I ever actively thought of myself doing. Right. Uh, so when I graduated high school, I moved up to Edmonton and worked for the better part of a decade as an x-ray tech. Okay. Um, I spent my time at the U of A hospital and I worked mostly in the merge. So uh, after quite a few years there, it kind of just started to wear on me and I, you know, it was just evident I needed a change. Yeah. It wasn't, just wasn't meant for me, you know, yeah. and, and I was at work and there were, you know, a few things leading up to it but essentially i ended up with time off at the farm that same year in the fall yeah and i was out there for six or seven weeks in a row or something like that trying desperately to help the harvest and i yep. made more work helped but <laughs> <laughs> uh long story short was that that year i had my first garden and while i was there i just kept thinking like i don't want to go back to the hospital and i just want to stay at the farm i just want to grow food i just mm-hmm. want to do something and that's essentially that's how my business started so well yeah it's uh you often hear that uh multi-generational things there's a a a certain draw that often pulls people back right for sure yeah yeah and it's something that's really unique is uh, a family farm and Mm -hmm. we're lucky to have three generations out there my dad still does most of the farming i'm out there my dad's dad, my grandpa, is oh, wow. still us. So awesome! It's a pretty special thing to mm-hmm. be working field with multiple generations like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. I was talking to a uh, a barbecue restaurant operator down in Texas a few weeks ago, and he's a third generation, uh, and kind of much like you said, when he grew up and got out of. Uh, Got out of school, he moved away, uh, moved to Houston to the big city and went to school and worked uh, in different industries for a number of years, but uh, uh, eventually he got kind of pulled back in and uh, is running uh, running the restaurant now. So it's uh, kind of that same thing, that, that uh, the family pull and the, you know, as mm-hmm. you say, just wanted to be uh, growing food and doing all that good stuff. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. so, so talk about 5th Gen Gardens. I saw on the web uh, site... Uh, since 1918, so a little over 100 years uh, in the family. That's uh, that's fantastic. I love to see that. You see uh, so many family farms uh, kind of get gobbled up by these big monster farms nowadays. So it's great to see something like this that has uh, stayed in the, in your family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, we've all done something slightly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one time, there were pigs out there. There's been pheasants. My parents had cattle when we were young. Um my dad more recently had a fish farm. We had 
trout out there. And then when I decided to come back, um, I wanted to have a big garden. Mm -hmm. And so it started off with uh, about a quarter of an acre. Okay. And turned into roughly four acres now. This is the season. Um, And along the way, it's just kind of evolved. You know, my business has changed and grown. Mm -hmm. And uh, each year, it seems like a new another aspect kind of gets added to it. So I started off with a few weekly boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think my first year I had about 15 or so just, you know, kind of to see how it goes. I was still working full time at the hospital. And okay. so I was doing, needed to start fall. Yeah. Uh, but then eventually, you know, I added in a few hives. I've got honeybees now. Um, we, in more recent Seasons, I started working with some local chefs and getting to, you know, supply my produce to their restaurants. And, and it's something that I was never expecting to be doing, but it's one of my favorite parts of my mm-hmm. business. Yep. I really appreciate good food and I love seeing what these people are doing with it and getting to see the, the full journey of it. You know, it's no longer just me dropping it off on somebody's doorstep. I actually get to, you know, see it on a menu and right. see people's then. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And then uh, last year was when um, we added in this big garlic crop. So it's, right. it's constantly changing. <laughs> yeah. <Keeping> me- <laughs> What's that? It's keeping me on my toes for Ab- sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, talk about the garlic. And uh, I want to get into black garlic because it's, I don't know if it's just kind of become a trendy thing, but it's... Uh, until recently, not anything I'd really heard of, but I keep hearing it more and more these days. So, uh, uh, talk about I, your garlic and Alberta garlic and black garlic. Uh, I will, will try to do my best here. Um, so our garlic, um, or I should say my garlic started with, you know, I had about a hundred bulbs my first year and it was just something I wanted to see if we could grow mm-hmm. in Alberta, which obviously we can, but just because other people do doesn't necessarily mean I can. Yeah. It's a really unique crop to grow, which is why I really enjoy it. Um, you plant it in the fall okay. and it goes dormant in the winter. And then it's one of the first crops that you see shoot up in the spring. So we're not quite at that point yet, but it really won't be that long until we start seeing little sprigs of green. Yeah. Um, it's really low maintenance for the most part. And it does seem to do really well in on our farm, we've got some heavy nitrogen in our soil and it just eats that right up. Okay. So, um, with that be- all being said was I started off with a small crop and then the next year I bumped that up to about a thousand bulbs and I was doing, using it for my veggie boxes and just a few little things like mm-hmm. that. And then it started to become, um, you know, you know, we've had to start to think about my business here because, um, the garden is very seasonal. Right. I'm trying to find a way to, you know, no longer have to work off farm in the winter mm-hmm. and, and trying to find a way to make my business a bit more year round. And, you know, not only that, but also to possibly find, um, a way for me to use more of our land mm-hmm. and, and utilize what we have. And so that's kind of what sparked this conversation, mm-hmm. but, you know, my parents and I sat down and kind of pondered the idea of me being more involved with our grain. And I, 
I have to admit, I love being out in the field. I, I've learned a lot in the last few years, and I actually do feel like I can I play an important role now. Yep. It's such an overwhelming and daunting task to think of ever doing it by myself. And right. I truly, honestly don't believe I'm meant to be a grain farmer. Right. <laughs> and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But it does bring the question of, um, you know, what does the future on our farm look like what right. is my future like and and that's kind of just where this you know idea popped into my head that you know garlic is a great crop to have it grows well on our soil mm-hmm. it's something that alberta can produce um you know some outstanding garlic it, it comes down to our soil and mm-hmm. it's fresh it has so much flavor and it's it's if you've ever had Alberta garlic versus store-bought garlic, you'll never go back. Like, right. It's such a, a difference in it. Um, and so there is a market for it, for sure. And, and so that's kind of all the you know thought process that went into it. And um, I started talking with my dad, and we were trying to think of, well, what would make it unique? Because there's lots of garlic producers in Alberta. Okay. And then, you know... It, Start talking about the black garlics and all the other little products that we can make. And I kind of asked him, like, well, what about smoked garlic? And he had a smoker from when he was doing fish. Okay. He just looked at me and he went, well, I can smoke anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great answer. Yep. So, <laughs> like a, a true barbecue guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. And um, we've teamed up now. And, mm-hmm. and this is kind of our our. I don't know, experiment or adventure, whatever you want to call it, but it, it's been really fun and it's been surprising at, um, you know, the places that it's kind of taken us. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So what is the, I guess what the black garlic, what's the difference between regular garlic and black garlic? Other than the color, obviously. But Yeah. <laughs> That's the obvious answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it actually is. People ask me a lot of times, like, is it really are the cloves really black? And, and yeah, it's a very dark color. Um, the biggest difference that you'll notice is that it's really sweet. Okay. So in taste, you will you will taste some garlic flavor, but more than anything, it's really sweet. So it's kind of like, um, like molasses or balsamic, you know, yeah, that okay. kind of flavor. I think people say umami sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that all comes down to the sugars, um, in the garlic. So garlic, I didn't know this until we started doing this, but garlic has a lot of natural sugars in it. And when it's exposed to a very controlled temperature and controlled humidity over a number of weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, those sugars naturally caramelize. Okay. And that is the color and the... Um, texture gets kind of uh, like soft. It, it's kind of gooey. Okay. It's it's a very unique thing to yeah. try. I I'm not sure if you'd like it, but now oh, I'm sure I would. I love garlic. Yeah, so. it's great, and yep. uh, it has a lot of um, a lot more health benefits to it. There's you know like twice the antioxidants in it, and um, of course, any garlic that you eat has lots of vitamin C, yeah. and and it's your immune system so it's been good to have on hand (laughs) yeah no doubt awesome um so what do you find with the smoking the garlic does it 
take on a lot of the smoke flavor and what uh what kind of wood are you using to smoke with and all right i'm gonna make a full disclaimer right here <laughs> that i'm a grower i'm a marketer you know i'm selling it yep my is the true barbecue master sure. here yep we'll, we'll say i'm learning <laughs> so bear with me no worries no worries <laughs> um but so this has actually been a process to figure out this product and it started off with uh, last year, I guess, or 2019, I should say. Yeah. Um, we were thinking of the smoked garlic. And so part of it was, you know, do we do hot smoke? Do we do a cold smoke? You know, played around with mm -hmm. a few different things. We were finding that our biggest problem was that with a hot smoked garlic, it had almost no shelf life. Like you made it and within right. a number, like a few days, it had to be eaten. Okay. We it's hard when you're saying that you're going to ship across Alberta or doing markets or for mm. that was a problem. And then when we were doing, we tried doing cold smoked. Yeah. Um, it had a similar issue, but it was better. You had a little bit more time, but the smoke didn't penetrate as much. So it was, you know, it smelled great, mm -hmm. but actually we're cooking with it. I mean, it was smoky, but it wasn't, it wasn't what we were looking for. So we right. knew we had working at this and, yep. Um, ultimately what changed our process was COVID because when the pandemic hit, the market shut down, we decided that we weren't going to be doing these cold smoked bulbs because it wasn't worth it to start mm. up our smoke for a few bulbs and no markets and, you know, that whole yep. round and about way. And, um, so then we started playing around with the idea that we need to have a shelf stable product. Right. And then that was where this. Um, it's called our, our garlic Supreme is what mm. it's called. Yep. And that's where the idea came from. And, um, my dad has a Lang barbecue. Nice. Big one that yeah. I think more than his children. And <laughs> <laughs> so we, we started cooking on that and mm -hmm. it's, uh, we roast the garlic that way. Um, we peel it all by hand Wow. and it. Yeah, it's a bit of a labor of love. Yeah, because I've, I've seen uh, the pictures of all the bulbs of garlic yeah. in the smoker, and that's uh, that'd be a lot of peeling. It is, yeah. but you know, at the for the product that we're making, it's worth it. Yeah. And so, to answer your question about the wood mm -hmm. um, on the barbecue, we have mostly tamarack that okay. we're using. Um, I do believe my dad will start to get some coals with some birch that we have kicking around. Sure. But yep. Um, most of it is done with tamarack and then our process is that we roast it, we peel it, and then we put it in for some additional smoke to really absorb it. Nice. That second smoke is when we use an apple wood. Okay. Nice. So yeah, you get a bit of the sweetness from the apple then. Yeah. And it really, we find it really complements the roasted garlic taste. Mm -hmm. Now is tamarack, is that a, a wood that's common up around uh, Potaskawin or I'm not familiar with it uh, really, so. Um, I, I would say probably not. My okay. dad, um, has a, a firewood business on the side ah, as well. Okay. We, like I said, have a, a bit lot of, of yeah. And so Tamarack just happens to be something that he has handy, you know, right. it's, it's there and, um, it's, it's similar to, uh, Bruce, I think it is in pine. Okay. But it, um, burns hotter and longer right okay it's, uh, i'm gonna say you're the first people i've talked to that are uh, smoking with tamarack so 
You got that going. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So you've got the, uh, as far as your products go, the, the garlic supreme, it's a, a paste, right? That's right. That, yeah. That you kind so, of end up with. Yeah. So um, like I was saying, we had to find a way to make it shelf stable mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I'm still not doing markets. I'm not really sure um, what the summer will look like yet, but we need to have a, a product that we could make in the winter that would last us for a while. Right. So we teamed up with Joanna with uh, Mojo Jojo Pickles. Okay. Here, and she was the one who figured out, you know, what to add to bring the pH level down and to make sure it's sealed. And she did all of that Excellent. for us. Yep. It's, um, the result is a smoked garlic paste. Nice. Awesome. Great, mm-hmm. to, great to partner with another local business there that, uh, you know, yeah, share the expertise, right? Uh, jumping back, question I meant to ask uh, before we got into the whole garden thing, and I've been asking all my guests lately, and I'll be interested to see what uh, you as kind of a non-barbecue person, uh, what your answer <laughs> is. And the, the question is, what does barbecue mean to you? Uh, good food. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, you've done some work with Peter uh, from Pitt County. Yeah. Um, talk about some, uh, I guess, using your products, the garlic, the paste, uh, kind of in barbecue. Any connections, uh, any suggestions there? Uh, so with Peter, we actually were working together with corn. Yes. Um. That was last summer. And so the variety that I grow is a sweet corn and it has, it, it's, it is very sweet in flavor. And he yeah. was it yeah. and making it, um, cornmeal, like a, right? Cornmeal. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And grits at one point yes. too, I think. And it was like powdered sugar. It was amazing. I couldn't yeah. believe that what he was feeding me came from my corn. Awesome. And it was really, it was really, uh, a surprise, yeah. I will say. Um, pleasant one. Yeah. Yeah. I had him on the, we did a podcast last fall and, uh, via zoom and a bunch of st- uh, years of corn hanging in the background behind him. I had to ask him what was going on. With him. <laughs> awesome. Yep. And then he was also getting, uh, and, and maybe I think it was you, um, some greens for, uh, uh, was that not? Farm, yeah. Because Sorry. he was looking, for collards uh, was, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i i sadly cabbage is one family that i do not grow well so not, uh, <laughs> i sent him <laughs> yeah you referred him on i did yeah <laughs> so uh, with the garlic paste how do you, you know where do you see that maybe being used with uh, somebody like myself that likes to cook barbecue any kind of suggestions where you might incorporate oh, I, that in um like I said, I, you know, barbecue is good food to yeah. me. So, um, my personal favorite would be anything to do with pulled pork. Yeah. Um, so we've been using this garlic supreme on a lot of different sandwiches and, okay. you know, whether that's a grilled cheese or a tomato sandwich or whatever. But, um, so far my absolute favorite one that I've had was a pulled pork sandwich with the garlic supreme spread on it. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like it would be good. Get the sweetness, uh, sweetness from the pork, and uh, mm-hmm. get the garlic in there. That'd be excellent. And that you know, it's already kind of smoky, but mm-hmm. it just adds more. And- yep. 
Yeah. Awesome. And then you were talking about the the, the boxes. And I saw on your website the, the CSA box, and that's Community Supported Agriculture. Kind of get into that a little bit. That is correct. Um, it is basically it's a vegetable subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, each farm does theirs a little bit differently, but mine is typically um, 12 weeks of the summer, although this year I'm doing 10 weeks. Um, you sign ahead of time, and then whatever is, you know, the bounty of the garden mm-hmm. gets divvied up and, you know, uh, spread out amongst the members. So um, it's really for a grower. I love doing this um, type of farming because there's not as much uh, waste when it comes to, um, you know, your produce that you're picking. Like, for example, lettuce Mm -hmm. is that if you're picking for a market, you might pick 50 heads of lettuce and you sell all 50 the next week you don't sell any and yeah. now you have this product that you mm-hmm. have to either find for or it's gone to waste, right? Yes. With a CSA, I know going in that each week I have 70 members. Mm-hmm. I have 70 boxes, 70 heads of lettuce, if you will. Um, so it helps in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also is, you know, that the customers take the risks with the re- rewards. So Farming is farming is an interesting yep. career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're. I've once heard that it's called a profession of hope, and I actually fully do believe that because you plant seeds and you you just hope for the best. Yeah. And you know, some years that does happen, and other years it doesn't. Yep. So, you know, natural disasters happen all the time, and and even something as simple as you know a hailstorm, which. Mm-hmm. In Alberta, we see a lot of. Absolutely. A CSA, you know, members join that knowing full well that that could happen. Okay, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, when it doesn't happen, they receive more. Like, it's kind of a give and take in this. Sure. You know, what would be a good way to describe it? Like, like a symbiotic mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah, you're sharing, sharing the risk and the reward, right? And it's um, also a way to create a connection, Mm -hmm. right? It's a lot easier for people to know how their food is growing and where it's coming from if they can actually speak face-to-face to to the farmer that's doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's, honestly, that was a big reason of why I started my garden was because I wanted to create, you know, like a community around it Mm -hmm. in this uh, sense that, you know, food should taste like food. A carrot should be sweet because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's had a frost or two. It, yep. it shouldn't be pre-peeled and packaged and, you know, yeah. all of the things. It's easier. It makes yeah. life way easier, but it takes away the flavor and the way food should be, all the nutrients and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so that's why I was really um, pulled towards doing this garden was because I just, I really wanted to share that with people. Yeah. So is this something that a lot of vegetable farms are doing in Alberta or and elsewhere, I guess, the box subscription kind of thing? It's becoming more popular. Yeah. Um, okay. And it's definitely something I find people either gravitate towards a market or they gravitate towards CSAs. Mm. And there are some farms that do both, but it tends to be one or the other. Yeah. In the Edmonton area, especially, I know there's, you know, I can think of at least 10 or 12 different farms that do it. So okay. I think once 
hiking, you can find a lot more. I'll have to look into that, see if there's what's uh, what's down this way. I don't know. That, yeah. I think you guys probably have a little bit slightly longer growing season than we do, I think. I don't know about no? that. We have, we have a, usually have a little bit colder springs than you guys do. Yeah, I suppose there's kind of, yeah. Right? It's give and take. And I mean, each year is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, last year was relatively wet, but it was hot. So we it turned out okay. But, mm. I mean, how many years have we had? snow in september <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I joke in my 25 years living in calgary i've seen snow in every month of the year so it doesn't uh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah they uh, love having the mountains right here but then uh, it plays some havoc with the weather for sure so. it absolutely does yeah. so what would all kind of talk about the vegetables you are growing there on the farm i grow a really wide variety um i've already talked about corn mm-hmm. and mentioned that i don't grow cabbage as right. well I do have, I'm trying to think of my list for this year. I've got carrots, beets, cucumbers, um, squash grows really well on our farm. Right. So they're, they're nitrogen lovers. So it um, does well. Um, I've got lettuces and greens and yeah, the list just goes on and on. I, I have a hard time whittling my list down to a manageable amount because I just want to grow everything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we've got just out in our yard, just a small little garden area, and it's uh, trying to figure out what to plant and with that limited space, right? To, yeah. To, to plant too many things, you're not getting much of anything, uh, and then you. Know, so it's kind of that uh, the balance of uh, what do we want, right? So. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's part of my problem is that um, there aren't really a lot of vegetables that I don't like. Right. Um. I was actually, when I was little, I was a horrible picky eater. And now I don't turn away much food, um, except for cauliflower. I hate cauliflower. Mm. <laughs> That's the one thing you'll never see growing in okay. my garden. It is something I grow what, um, what I, I like to cook with, what I like to eat. And that's part of my boxes is also um, I include a recipe every week nice. to use whatever's in the box. So, you know, if it's a week with potatoes in it, it maybe scalloped potatoes or, you know, something like that. Yep. So if it's something that I don't like to eat or I don't cook with, I won't grow it. That's fair. <laughs> You're the boss, right? That's right. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and it looks like you, uh, you, you're quite, uh, I don't know if outreach is the right word, but, uh, quite active in, you know, with open farm days and tours and kind of getting people educated about the farm and uh, and farming and where our food comes from. So kind of talk about the importance of those things. I've uh, been involved in a couple of different open farm days events over the last few years, and I've been trying to get uh, get with Nicola to get her on the podcast one of these days, and we'll oh, do yeah. that. But uh, so kind of <laughs> talk about those things. Um, yeah, it's something that... I, again, I wasn't really expecting um, to be doing, you know, many farm tours. Lots of people would come out to our farm, but it was never really an official thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I started doing this and started showing people what goes into it, you know, what, how much work goes into weeding a garden or, or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of sparked this interest to, to really show people what we're doing on our farm. And like we've said, um, 
we're generational here. So there are parts of our farm that are very unique. And a big part of what I was raised to um, believe is that our land is special and that it's not something that you can ever take for granted. It's something that you have to actively take care of. And so while I love to show people my garden and what I grow and, you know, our crop, our grain crops and all that kind of stuff, I love to show all of our conservation efforts that mm -hmm. we do out there. That's the part of our farm that I'm most proud of. And to, you know, like you say, start educating people and showing them that it's not all just about what food comes off our land. It's more about how to make your land healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is a subject that I absolutely will go on and on about. Oh, please but, do. I, uh, it's something I'm very interested in. Uh, re um, regenerative, gee, I can't even say it, regenerative farming and, uh, yeah. and all of that. So I've had, I've talked with uh, some cattle and bison farmers that are uh, firm believers in that. And uh, I think it's very important. So Absolutely. And so um, we have a, the Battle River runs through mm -hmm. most of our, and it's something that, all five generations have held, you know, it's kind of like our, our sacred land out there. So right. don't farm right up to the river. We have a lot of parts of our farm that are left wild mm -hmm. and solely for that purpose to just be the way that it should be. And, um, you know, we have also have a gravel pit out there that when they finished excavating, instead of just filling in the holes and, you know, we've already disrupted the subsoils anyways we've created wetlands out of them so they naturally fill up with water from the ground mm -hmm. or snow or rain or what have you Run off. Yeah. exactly yeah um and then you know there's uh sloped and then topsoil has been put on them and then we go to work and plant alfalfa for the deer and clover for the bees and all of our ponds have uh, cattails and bulrushes around them for natural filtration. Right. Um, they're stocked with fish. They we've planted thousands of willow trees and um, spruce trees, and you know, where every year we do something to try to um, to try to maintain that part of our farm or to to you know bring back these wetlands and these habitats. And in doing so, we've created some really diverse ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And it's something that this is absolutely where my passion lies, is that we're seeing um, the effects of what we're doing now. So, you know, out, right now at the farm, we have a healthy family of raccoons living there. And I didn't know that they existed in Alberta at all until yeah. one popped up in my window in the middle of the night and scared me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've also in you know the last five years or so have seen a huge increase in moose in our area because nice. they wetlands and mm -hmm. they like to eat dogwood trees that we plant um there's mink and uh lots of you know like weasels and and um we saw a fisher not that long ago and and so there's all these different animals we have healthy herds of both white-tailed and mule deer and that to me is what our farm is about. So, you know, the grain, the garden, the garlic, all that stuff is you out there. Mm -hmm. But the farm, the wild part of the farm and keeping it the way it's supposed to be is what's the most important part of us.
That's awesome. I, yeah, that's, uh, I love that. It's amazing what happens when you kind of restore the land to allow it to mm-hmm. become what it was, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so special, you know, it's something that, um, that is special because we take the time to make it so, but you know, my dad taught me that his dad taught him that his, mm-hmm. you know, it goes back for all the generations and it's something that I hope we can carry on for future generations. Absolutely. No, that's wonderful. And, I uh, love hearing that. So. Yeah. It's, it's created, um, a lot of national foraging opportunities as well. So that we have wild Saskatoons and Hibish cranberries and hazelnuts and all wow. these uh, unique food sources down there that I've tried to incorporate as much as possible into my business to help mm-hmm. again, show people that this is, you know, what grows in Alberta without even trying. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. So if somebody, uh, obviously open farm days is kind of a set, uh, period of time. If somebody was wanting to do tours, they can reach out and come set something up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something that I love showing people around and showing them what we're doing. I will say with the pandemic, yes. we didn't thing last year. We sadly, we had to, you know, close our gates and that was just mm-hmm. kind of the way, but I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful that this year will be different and will be better. At some point. And yeah. We're, we're getting closer, I think. So. so, yeah. And so with that, I, I'm really hoping that we'll be able to do tours again this summer. Yeah. That'd be awesome. And I'd, I'd love to get up there and uh, come see what oh, you're please. doing there. So no, that'd be uh I've got two teenage daughters and we, we've been trying to teach them as best we can as uh, for, for city people, I guess, uh, you know, where, like we said, where the food comes from. And uh, yep. I've uh, been fortunate enough to get them out to some of the, uh, the animal, uh, animal farms that I've talked to, but uh, it sounds like you guys are just doing amazing things there. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. And it's, you know, it's great that you guys are trying to teach them that, yeah. right? Well, it's, yeah, I've, Admittedly, grew. I've lived in a city my whole life, so I. But uh, more as I've gotten older, it's uh, something that's become uh, important to me is knowing that. So it's uh, great to see. Uh, I'll say a young, uh, a young, the next generation coming up, uh, embracing that and uh, and and taking it and uh, what you're doing with the social media too. That just helps get the get the word out there and uh, yeah, uh, and, you know, spreads it. So it's crazy. I. You know, when I thought of myself farming, I didn't think that Instagram would be my second job. Mm-hmm. Yes. but uh, It's part, like it's a majority of my business comes from it. And yeah. social media is like, it's something very unexpected to me, but yep. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Yep. Right? <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. If you're, uh, if you're, your great, great grandparents probably wouldn't, uh, would be amazed to see what you're doing with, uh, with it now. Right. So. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yep. So where can, how can folks, uh, find you, get in touch with you? Um, well, Instagram is my main platform that I use. Yep. Um, they can also find my website, which is fifthgengardens.ca. Yep. Um, and those are probably my two main points of All access. Right. Excellent. So the, uh, the last question I ask everyone, Kristen, it's, uh, it's dinner time. Maybe dad's got the lang fired up or you got a grill going, uh, whatever the case is. What? What's, uh, kind of, what's that? Is that I wish yeah. I don't have a lang here. <laughs> what's, uh, what's kind of the go-to meal for you? Uh, you know, I have to admit I love soups, 
I'm a big fan of any kind of soup. Mm-hmm. Really, tonight I have broccoli on the stove. So no cauliflower though. No cauliflower. No. <laughs> nope. Never. But if I had to choose and my favorite meal, mm-hmm. I love that you asked this question. My favorite meal is hands down my mom's honey garlic ribs, mm-hmm. and they are saucy as can be, and yep. you know so much so that you've got it on like your elbows it's everywhere. everywhere garlicky and it, it is amazing nice. <laughs> awesome those sound pretty good i cooked some ribs last night and uh i don't usually sauce my ribs but i got a little uh little sauce on them last night and they were turned out pretty good so there you go <laughs> awesome so last thing i'm going to ask you Kristen. uh, uh probably a slightly different uh growing zone up uh, in Wetaskiwin compared to calgary but uh, some suggestions for somebody like myself that has a small little garden area, what would you recommend uh, planting as far as uh, trying to optimize my success? Uh? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think easy to grow vegetables are, you know, like beets, carrots, yep. peas, all your basics. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing, my biggest advice that I wish I listened to more often mm-hmm. is to keep your weeds down. Yeah. So it you would be amazed at how much easier your crops will grow if they don't have to compete, which makes perfect sense. It does, but- yeah. So- <laughs> yeah, I planted beets for the first time last year. How did they turn out? Well, they didn't. Um, oh, no. <laughs> just as they I hadn't, didn't have the garden area kind of protected at all. And just as they were sprouting, uh, some rabbits got in there and took care of the greens. Oh, no. So they they came back a little, but I think just kind of losing. We don't have a long, long growing season to begin with, so to lose that uh, lose that at the beginning uh, kind of doomed them. So never really got anything out of them. So. Oh, that's disappointing. That's uh, decent. I, the carrots were okay last year, though. So. That's good. Yeah. I find the other thing I really – I never paid attention to until I started doing this – on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. but those number, like the day numbers on your seed packs actually do mean something. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, Alberta, you, you really want to find something between like the 60 and 70 day okay. um, seasons, I yep. guess you would say. Yep. Um, anything more than that. And mm-hmm. you're really pushing your luck. <laughs> Unless you want to be the person who's, Covering with bed sheets, and if you are, then sure. power to Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. So, had some luck with uh, lettuces and greens in the past too. So, yeah, yeah, you should try spin- spinach. Spinach. Mm-hmm. Might have to do that. Awesome. Easy to grow. Grows fast in the spring. Good to know. There you go. Some great tips, Kristen. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's great uh, chat and get to know you a little bit. And uh, as I said at the beginning. Uh, looking at where the the stuff that goes on the rest of our plate comes from. So uh, that's great. And uh, certainly hope to get up and uh, pay you guys a visit before too long here. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me on here and letting me chat for a decent amount of time. Well, that was a, it was great. Yeah. I, I love being able to share what we're doing on our farm. So thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, Kristen. Appreciate it. Thanks to Kristen from 5th Gen Gardens in Wetasco in Alberta for joining me on the show this week. It was great to hear about her journey into farming, and I'm going to be looking into vegetable delivery subscriptions in the Calgary area. If any of you are familiar with them, please drop me a note. And check the show notes for links to the 5th Gen website and social media. 
The COVID lockdown restrictions continue to be eased up a little bit here in Alberta, and most restaurants are now offering some level of limited seating for dine-in. Keep your eyes open to see what your local barbecue joints are doing, and wherever you are, in Alberta or elsewhere, get out there and support them in whatever way you're comfortable and able. And whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, stay safe and wear your masks. The Eat More Barbecue Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Spring is in the air, and here in Canada, that usually means that CFL football is just around the corner. Whether or not that will be the case this year remains to be seen, but there's still lots to talk about. The APN is home to a pair of great CFL podcasts, the Two and Out CFL podcast and the Turf District podcast, which focuses on that still nameless team from Edmonton. Here's a little taste of what to expect. Thing on? I mean, it's been a while. Welcome to the Turf District Podcast, where we huddle up and talk all things Edmonton football team. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Andrew. I'm Superfan Mike. And I'm Commissioner Kay. We used to have a different name, much like the team, and now we are relaunching the rebranded podcast starting next week. We will cover player and, as it seems, coach signings team news and you know like when we play and when we actually have a team name (laughs) and we will catch up with people from the team the alumni the fans and everyone around the cfl we might talk a little bit of history too really weird plus we'll have new shirts coming too join us every two weeks starting february 2nd 2021 and every week once we have football back find us on twitter at the turf district on facebook at the turf district podcast and on ig at the turf district YouTube Live on Monday nights and the full pod everywhere you find podcasts on Tuesdays. Join the huddle and remember, you can't catch footballs with your face and we will absolutely talk to you next week. Please visit www.albertapodcastnetwork.com for links to the Two and Out podcast, the Turf District podcast, and all the other great shows on the network. That's a wrap, everybody. See you all next week. Hey friends, thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. You can find me online at eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at albertabbqtrail.ca. Check out the listing of joints on the Barbecue Trail site and show them your support. If you're not in Alberta, get out and show your local barbecue joints some love. Give me a follow on Twitter at eatmorebarbecue and on Facebook and Instagram at eat underscore more underscore barbecue. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, my email is eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and is a production of Eat More Barbecue Digital Media. Till next time, folks, keep on smoking.